Welcome to the Power Women in Insurance Show with your host, Teresa Kitchens. Join us as we laugh, talk about hard issues, support each other, and make our industry and our world a better place. Let's go. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Power Women in Insurance podcast. We're excited today. Today, we are going to be talking about being able to build value whenever we're selling to uh, people that we run across and people that we encounter. And I'm really, really excited today to bring you Lauren Nadata out of New Jersey, almost like the New York, New Jersey area. But Lauren, how are you today? Fantastic. Thanks so much for welcoming me. Good, good. Well, I know the way that you and I kind of connected is that we are both on the Women of IAOA Facebook group. And I kind of thrown a couple things out and just said, hey, does, who really feels like they do a great job about talking with their clients about the value of an insurance policy? And I know that a lot of us, whenever we're, we're out there selling, we're out there working and being able to connect directly with our clients, we want to make sure that we are always, always, always selling value. But it's really hard sometimes to get the client to really see an insurance policy on the value type perspective. So you were able to uh, pipe on up and we were able to have some offline conversations that I thought were super excellent. So thank you so much for joining me today. So as we get started, Lauren, tell me a little bit about how you got into the insurance industry and a little bit about your agency. Yeah, sure. Well, it's kind of fun that this is a women's broadcast. I, um, I got married really young. By 21, I had my first child and kind of realized because my husband was going to go through a lot of graduate school and PhDs and whatnot. We were down, going down that path. I realized pretty quickly I needed a way to make a living and fast. So I had a degree in English communications. Um, I was at the time I was working for, in speech writing at a foreign consulate. And I realized like, hey, there, there wasn't much of a, there wasn't really a very quick growth plan to make real money. Um, so I started looking for consulting opportunities. Sure enough, I came across an insurance agency that called itself Risk Management Consulting. That sounded really smart. So I'm like, hey, I'm smart. I want to do something smart. <laughs> um, next, <laughs> next thing I know, I had an insurance license and some professional designations and whatnot to go along with it. But um, they were a really smart firm. And I think the further I am away from that very beginning, the more I appreciate where I started in the industry. And right. their attitude kind of ties very neatly about what we're talking about today, that they were really always about technical skill and value. Right. Um, so that hasn't left me you know, over the years, I've grown with that thinking and it really hasn't left me and I'm grateful for that. That's awesome. How long were you there? Um, a couple of years. And then um, we actually moved up to Canada. My husband, like I said, my husband's career path was all kinds of interesting. Um, but I went to work for Jardy Lloyd Thompson Canada, which um, is an international, they're kind of like an Aon, Marsh, Willis, etc. Okay. Um, they don't, they actually don't do retail here in the U.S., but they're huge in Asia and Europe. Um, and I was working on cross-border risk as well as commercial risk and then some high net worth, high net worth homes that were customers that we did the commercial insurance for as well. Nice, nice. So how did you get to where you were like, hey, you know, it went from maybe you know, making a little bit of money, being able to help support your family to, hey, I want to do this and be, you know, the owner. So how did you kind of get to that point in your journey? Um, 
Yeah, journey is the right word to describe <laughs> it. <laughs> Certainly. It's always kind of a zigzag. You never get, you know, anywhere yeah. with any direct line. So. Yeah, so I think you kind of heard. I started out, I actually started on the customer service side, um, very quickly became a producer because, again, it was about money and lifestyle for me always. Right. Um, and I guess I had good people skills, so I felt like that would give me some more flexibility. Going up to Canada, I had to rebuild, you know, learn all the, you know, transfer my license, et cetera, um, rebuild my presence. And that was cool, did that. Um, but then anyone who's in insurance knows that insurance is a regional play um, and it's a relationship right. business. So yep. coming back down, I had to go rebuild myself again. And the rules of being a producer, pretty much whatever you, you know, pretty much the, or rather any place I ever worked, the agency owned the business and you have right. a big fat non-compete. At some point, I guess I got some wind under, under me and I realized like, Hey, I'm a really good marketer. Everything I win, it's because I make the marketing team crazy. Uh, <laughs> I make the marketing team crazy. And I just said, forget about this. I don't want people to market for me. I want to make sure that I can tailor coverage exactly the way I want it. And I don't need someone else to get paid for it. Right. And that's how I wound up opening my own shop. Nice. Nice. So now you can maybe, I mean, because are you building a little bit more of like a virtual agency or do you feel like you're really, you're really where you're going to be for a while? So you can really kind of dig in those roots. Well, we're certainly at this point, we are really digging in those roots, but for a while it was questionable and I actually went to work for a tech company in between on my way back. It was one oh, of wow. my internet, one of my clients that had some cross-border business. On the way back, they had hired me to open up a sales office, like one of these cool WeWork, whatever. Um, so I did real estate tech for a few years in between. Um, but I realized what I really knew was insurance. That's where all my technical skill was, and that's where I knew how to problem solve. So even though I could sell stuff, Right. I felt that supporting insurance was something that anyone who's literate and anyone who cares can really support a customer well. How awesome. Um, I didn't feel that way about technology where like I wasn't an engineer and I wasn't going to become an engineer. Right. Right. But I bet it really helps you though with your, with, you know, building out your agency as far as your technology suite or what we call your, your technology staff or whatever, because you have a little bit more of that knowledge about, and you're not afraid of some of the technology too. Cause I know I've had a lot of agencies that are, you know, the owners are a little bit afraid of the technology piece. Well, sure. It opened up my eyes to Salesforce. It opened up my eyes to automation, things like, you know, I'll never forget when I came into the industry and I think many agencies still operate this way. It was sort of like production was, well, who are your friends and family and what do you know and who can you connect with in your community? And that was how they expected you to build a book of business. When I went into tech, it was, well, we have a targeted list. We have auto dialers. We have events that we're going to. These are how many dials we expect to be able to do a day, voicemail drops, et cetera, and all these things. When I saw the power of that, those metrics, I was like, how is it possible that we would just run around calling on whoever we might have bumped right. into? What a right. way to business, you know? And that was a key learning. Absolutely. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, 
Tell me, we're talking today specifically about really building that value for our clients, talking about the value, talking about the coverages, and, and really positioning yourself to be the expert in your area. So tell me some of the techniques and some of the ways that you use to really reach on out, be able to connect, and talk value with your prospects whenever you're working with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess I probably would start by saying what I don't do. Okay. Um, because what I don't do is berate the agent that they were with previously. Nice. Okay. Um, and what I don't do is belittle the choices that were made previously. And I think that's a really important point is that I always address conversations from a growth mindset, um, both for myself and for our customers that like, I don't know, we all come to knowledge at different paces in our life and like right. you might know a lot about one thing and less about the other thing and much of what we do is position ourselves as educators mm -hmm. and that's even a piece of how I hire and how I train is that I say first and foremost we're educators everything and that's how we lead the conversation is that like I'm going to give you a free education what you choose to do with that well that's up to you um, right. but it's the but it's the way that we approach every conversation um and like you know i think a good teacher does a good teacher does just that they open up a knowledge base um and allow people to explore and ask questions absolutely absolutely so how do you get people to really engage on those conversations because i think that especially when it comes down to personal life and i know sometimes when people have had a commercial policy for a while they see insurance more as a commodity they see it as oh every company is the same oh you know they and and it's really it's really opened up my eyes to where I've realized that people that, that have been driving a car for 30 years or people that have owned a home for 20 years, whatever, they still don't have any idea what the world of insurance covers or what they're really looking at. So how do you mm -hmm. approach those topics and how do you broach and really engage them in those conversations? Because I find that you get, you have a certain percentage of people that are very, very open to those conversations. And you have a certain amount of people that you're just annoying the tar out of. If I'm trying to talk to them about some of these coverages, cause they're like, whatever, whatever, but you have to bring them in to that education piece. What, what specific techniques mm -hmm. do you try to use to be able to engage with them? Um, yeah. So I guess if we're talking personal lines, it comes down to the discovery process and where you're getting your customers from. Um, right. Hey, can I ask you, when you're thinking about the discovery process, are we talking about people who might, might be coming to you through online leads or, you know, where are they coming from? Because I think that sets the expectation I completely of what their agree. experience is going to be. And I think What'd that, you say? I completely agree. I think that agencies get leads from so many different directions and they have to tailor their message based on where those people are coming from. And um, I know that I know that there are a lot of people that say, oh, well, we don't write business of, you know, maybe certain limits and so forth. They only write certain, you know, and therefore you're kind of engaging whether or not it's, you know, an online type situation or if it's a personal referral type situation, you're automatically kind of weeding out automatically the people that are more price shoppers, the people that are more, you know, um, price driven, because of course that's why they have the lower limits of coverage, right? Yeah, and even if you're doing online leads, 
do you filter based on zip code? Do you right. service every type of customer? Because, you know, to be honest, I think if my customer base was like full disclosure, my customer base for the most part, I would say the majority might own two homes. Um, the majority of our personal lines customers own a business or right. are professionals. Um, they, for the, and I'm not saying they're mega millionaires, but they're all fairly well established or well on their way. Right. Um, so we start with a baseline that the majority of our customers, either because they came from a referral or because we target zip codes that are affluent okay. or relatively affluent. Um, that's already coming. We're already coming to the conversation with an understanding that these people value service. Right. That they value expertise. Right. Not every agency has that luxury or that target, right. to be honest. Um, if we were targeting, if we were targeting, you know, and I, I shouldn't even say that because to tell you the truth, we get referrals in a certain community that, um, is not affluent and we get some really people who are really struggling to get by. Right. Um, and you know, even though they don't make up the majority of our book of business, I would say we really differentiate ourselves on how we go about the business. So even for people who don't have money, we start with, you know, I, to be perfectly honest, Teresa, my starting point with every, even a personal lines conversation is I like to establish their knowledge base and my knowledge base. Nice. Okay. So I hit people with technical questions very quickly. I mean, I know some agents will quote blind, like they'll quote without knowing what the policyholder has. We right. don't do that. Okay. Um, we don't do that. And very simply, we tell people that our job is to put you in as good of a place as you've been. You know, if they tell us, oh, I'm here because I want a cheaper, I want to save some money. Can you save me some money? So we always say, of course, we'd love to save you money, but we'd never want to be in a position where we sold you a policy that put you in a worse spot than you were in before. Right. You know, you got to let, let me take a look at what you have and, and find you a deal that's the best, like the best way of spending your money. Right. Like, let's just do a sanity check to make sure you're getting good value. Right. Because there's so many nuances to coverage that like for me I can look at it very quickly but if you just read it off your document you might miss something that's important yep yep absolutely and I love, um, love what you had said that we would never sell you a policy that will put you in a position to where you have less coverage than before just to be able to make sure that we we capitalize on the conversation of price so let's go through maybe a conversation of discovery so that you can send me your current deck pages and then we can have a conversation of maybe what uh, coverages that you need to make sure that you do have and make sure that you know exactly what coverages you need and uh, make sure that you do have a policy that covers you and all of your needs, you know, and your family's needs through that process. Mm -hmm. I think that's a, that's a great script, if you will, to be able to bring mm -hmm. people out of that price conversation and just say, mm -hmm. hey, I'm not even going to play in that range. I'm not even going to play in that space. And I liked how you said that. Yeah, and if you, one of the other things you like to do in personal lines is that even if they just, if you just have the carrier that they're with, hey, do you know the carrier that you're with? Now, you know, some insurance don't even know, some do, some, you know, whatever. Um, but what carrier are you with? 
right? Generally, generally an independent agent that knows what they're doing, we know the coverage strengths and weaknesses. And if it's a good carrier or a carrier lacking a certain endorsement, I will make a, we can make a pretty quick guess on what that policy might look like. Right. Best and worst case scenario based on how many years have you had in effect, the tone of the insured, their background in education, right? Um, so we can make some pretty fast statements that impress people and more often than not is going to be accurate. So I'll give you a good example. In personal lines, we generally like to sell HO5s in my agency. Okay. Now, it's not always possible and not in every part of the country is it possible, but here it is for the most part. And uh, not all the time, but many, many homes we can sell on an HO5 policy form. Right. So that's the first thing I go after. Instantaneously, awesome. I hear, oh, what's your care? Oh, well, they usually write on an HO3 form. Do you know what an HO3 form is? Right. No, I never heard that. Oh, well, there's two base. Then we go straight into... There are two ways that homeowners' policies are written. They can be written on an HO3 form or an HO5. One is saying, I'm going to give you only what I explicitly tell you I'm going to give you. Now, there are bells and whistles, but it starts with very clear guidelines. There's another policy form called an HO5, which is a superior form, and it's written to include everything except for what they exclude. Right. Your How does that make you feel? Or named peril. Right. Absolutely. How does that make you feel? Right. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit NBS Brokerage dot com cast certified i love that so i love and i love do you do you ask your clients how does that make you feel yeah sure we make room for their, them to respond like did you know about this no i didn't know that this was even a thing right. how do you feel about the fact that you didn't know that that was a thing right well i have good news for you we likely can write you on an ho5 form for the same price if not better yeah yeah, absolutely. Cool. I like that. I like that because, and it does, people buy based on how you make them feel. And that's, um, that's a sales, whatever known sales concept, right? Is that people buy on how to make them feel, not necessarily on the information that you give them. So if we can work that, that feeling into it, I really like that as well, because again, that goes above and beyond price into protection it goes into being their advisor it goes into that concept of really being able to bond with them and create mm -hmm. that environment where they're not going to go reshop or you know uh, be able to you know just ditch at the first you know first problem because they know that you have their back because you did in the beginning and you're really talking to them about value you're really talking to them about a better policy you're really educating mm -hmm. them and you're really playing to the concept, not really playing to, that's probably a bad way to put it, but you're really catering to and working with how do they feel about their insurance. So it puts them mm -hmm. in, and I like that. Yeah, and my 
for me, and it's not always the HO3, HO5 conversation, but what I like to lean into as fast as possible is one qualitative significant coverage item. Just one, not a lot. Enough to make somebody feel, hey, I better take a better look at myself. I don't even know what I have. Right. Because once somebody feels, I don't even know what I have, or I don't remember discussing this before, um, and then it could be a lot of different things. Like, you know, and I'll give you some other good examples since we're talking personal lines. But, um, and in commercial lines, there's similar things. If you're dealing with a school, do you talk about abuse and molestation? And like, I, we can go through any industry. There's always a something that you could talk about that is actually one of the biggest differentiators between products that people don't necessarily lead with. Oh, okay. Right? Um, but once you have that point, and you know, someone who was really salesy might call it a pain point. I wouldn't call it a pain point. I'd call it an, edu- an educational point, like a key educational moment. Um, then you establish that you know something, so they ought to listen to you. And maybe they thought they were coming to you for something, but now they realize perhaps they should have come to you for something else that's more important. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's interesting. I like that. Quit going to doctor. Doctor, my throat hurts. I think I have strep. No, you have coronavirus. You know, like whatever. I'm just saying, like, you know, we, you don't know. You're not the professional. Like the professional is going to tell you what you actually need. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think too, it's, uh, I just think that's awesome because you're right, because you are the, you are the, the expert, you are the professional and we need to be able to make sure that we do educate our clients because like you said, I mean, we go, we have a sore throat to the doctor and all of a sudden we walk out, we realize we have whatever, right? Um, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, coronavirus or strep throat or flu or whatever it might be, you know, whatever. I mean, who knows? I mean, a lot of people go to the doctor and, you know, end up with something more serious wrong with them. And it's kind of the same analogy in that same space is what we want to do is we want to protect you from those times when you think this is no big deal. And all of a sudden it becomes a really big deal with your business or with your, you know, your home or your autos or like a, like a legal situation with your umbrella, mm-hmm. right? And we want to make sure that you don't ever have to sit back and wonder, oh, is this a problem or is this something that we're going to need to have um, a lot of, you know, time to have to go fix and they don't want to have to battle with their insurance company over their coverages and, you know, we're going to take care of them up front. And I, I like your approach on that. Yeah. Another thing that I like to do that differentiates value from price um, is provide some narrative on the carriers themselves. Okay. and what they're known for. Um, I like to always tell people, and I, I truly believe it, it's not a sales technique. It's really how I feel about the marketplace. Um, I always say that there isn't one best carrier. True. There isn't. It's just a matter of product fit and your needs. And then I will start to ask them about some of their lifestyle things or some of their business. Like, are they risk adverse? Are they... Do they like to see maximum value? You know, do they like luxury items? Do they like value items? Are they, you know, what type? Of, do they like up and coming hot things? Right? All those sorts of things really help prescribe the conversation because once you know what their buying patterns in general are like and their risk appetite in general, then you can 
take those terms and convert that to carriers and carrier appetites and how fast the carriers in and out of the market in their space. And, you know, they, there's so many other things to talk about besides price once you understand how they live their life. Right, right. And I liked how you put on there too, what is their tolerance for risk? And I know like when, um, when we met with our financial planner for the first time, she gave us this, um, I don't know, assessment or whatever, kind of. And yeah. what it was, was it was a risk assessment. How, and my husband is older than me um, by about mm-hmm. 14 years. So because he is at a different phase in his life a little bit with, with um, being 14 years older than me, his risk process, his risk aversion is a lot different than mine, right? And it was, mm-hmm. it was really interesting because he's like, you know, back when I was 15 years ago, he's like, this would have been my risk aversion, but he goes like, at this point, this is my risk aversion, you know, or my, 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 my happy place with what I'm willing to risk and what I'm not. And it is interesting when we take that concept and approach it in an insurance environment. And I like yeah. that concept because I had never even thought about that. I know where the risk advisors but to be able to use that wording is is a wording that especially people who are in retirement planning who are in mm-hmm. um you know that phase of life where they buy a house or they buy you know maybe like you said two houses or whatever they've obviously got a process for what they're willing to invest in certain areas and what their you know risk aversion is so i think that's awesome i mean i, I just wrote that down as we're sitting here talking I love that. So what is your tolerance for risk? I think that's awesome. Yeah, because like once you understand, or I'll give you another good example in personal lines. Um, I guess this is why we're doing more and more personal lines because we under, you know, we feel it just like the people. Um, I'll give you another good example. If, what do you, do you take a look at when people start, when you're gathering your customer intake information, they say, this is what, these are the kind of cars I drive. And then they proceed, and these are the coverage limits I have. I want you to give me an apples to apples quote. Right, the what apples you, to apples conversation. So what do you do with that information? Mm-hmm. So on the one hand, we always want to listen to people. If they're saying we want, I want an apples to apples quote, we can't ignore what they want. Right. Right. However, it's a good point to sanity check. People understand that cars come like there's luxury cars, there's less luxury cars, whatever. Um, and they understand what it means to buy a high end car or a low end right. car or what all the above. We pay close attention to the cars that they buy. Does the type of cars that they're driving, like, do they have a lease? Do they own something? Do they fix their cars? Do they not? You know, like we want to make sure that their insurance choices align with that. Because it's the simplest indication, right? Like it's the simple, in, simplest indication of like how they see value. True. Like they gave you the information. True. True. And I always make sure like, we work with um, with you know people with understanding that by buying certain cars they have a different risk, right? Like if they mm-hmm. are driving a Mercedes or a Lexus or a Maserati, they have a different risk yeah. not only because of the type of car, but also because how they're perceived on the road if That's something right. happens. So therefore, you know, they they have to make sure that they understand that. And I don't it, it always amazes me why people don't understand that, you know, like, Oh, you bought a Maserati, right. but you don't understand that people think you're rich now and you could be sued more, mm-hmm. frequently, you know, and, and even then, even on a business type situation, you know, if people 
you know, hire more, hire more employees or people like branch out into other states or other areas. It's always amazing to me how people don't understand that their risk changes, right? If they pick up a new product, if they, you know, um, grow in a different area, like a, like a sister type, you know, product type thing. It is, it's, it's interesting because those things do change the risk that that business mm-hmm. owner is, is bringing to the table as well. So we have to make sure that we change what we bring to the table in, on the commercial level. That's interesting. So do you mean, do you mean that like when they start to take on new lines of work or right. different like as they're growing, that that's an indicator that we should be circling back and having another conversation. Well, yeah, about, because hey, your you business know, has grown. Absolutely, right? because their business has grown. You know, maybe especially like during coronavirus, right? Maybe they are pivoting in a new direction that maybe they're going to sure. make something more of a a, a a widget, more of a prevalent part of their business, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I had a I had a diner at one point that I was insuring, and down here in Dallas, in a cute little area down here, and. A wonderful, wonderful woman, absolutely loved her, but it was a breakfast lunch diner in the middle of kind of a, a, a group of offices. And so she was going to do breakfast and lunch and do a lot of uh-huh. catering for lunches and thing, and sandwiches and, and had some right. really, really good food. And we went on in there, we wrote her, no problem. I go down there like eight months late, six, eight. I mean, I talked to her on the phone on a fairly regular basis and it never came up, but I went down there like six months later, eight months, maybe. And I'm having lunch down there just because I'm just checking in on her, saying hi. I'm going down there. I want to be able to have lunch. All of a sudden, it's a sushi restaurant with alcohol. And I was like, were you supposed to call us? And she's like, well, we had to shift because people would rather come down and have dinner, you know, and a Uh a drink or two than they would have us come and bring them sandwiches. I'm like, that's a totally different ballgame. And we had to completely rework our entire insurance. Yeah. You know, but it's like they, a lot of, a lot of commercial businesses are so busy trying to keep their head above water or grow their business and take care of their teams. They don't think that if they change that their insurance needs to change as well. So Mm -hmm. by talking about that risk aversion, by talking about doing that discovery, whenever you go into that next process, it's also that they, they have more of a, a tendency to diverge, divulge certain things because they know that those those items really go into play to making sure that they're safe rather than just, oh, no, nothing's changed. Well, no, a lot's changed, well, you know? Right, and that they're safe with you, right? Like, if you had that conversation from the very beginning of, like, what's your risk tolerance, what kind of buyer are you, like, and you start with the tone of there are lots of different carriers that are great. Some are not great, but most are great. And right. the ones we work with are great. And then we say, hey, you know, where do you fit in the scheme of things? And, and if you've got a pretty good, clear idea of how they feel about things, then they can feel confident that with their growth, you're going to stay with their style and not just upsell them. Right. Right. Like, right. okay, I understand that you're a value, you know, whatever. Right, we have ways Absolutely. of categorizing people. Like, I understand this is what you are, so they know that Absolutely. you're going to go along for that ride and not assume that it's different, right? Absolutely. Well, I love this. This has been amazing, Lauren. You've given us so many good things to think about. I love, just in summary, I love the concept of making sure that you do the discovery, even on the personal lines, even if we're looking at small policies, right? Because you never know where they're going to grow, right? I mean, it's not just, I know discovery is kind of a, 
commercial insurance word or term a little bit more, but I love that even on a personal lines, even on a, on a public level of saying, let's do some discovery and, you know, and figure out what you have and make sure we're, we're, we're really, you know, bringing you the value that you need. And then really being able to go into the concept of being, you know, risk advisor for, you know, what is your tolerance for risk and just even using those words. I think people go, huh, it, they don't even think about it, right? Like they go, oh, they don't think about insurance as, especially on personal life, they don't think about insurance as maybe a risk aversion piece of the world. They just think of it as something mm -hmm. the government requires for me to have to be able to drive a car so the cop doesn't get upset with yeah. something, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's awesome. Well, Lauren, thank you so much. If, you know what? Tell me, if people want to be able to get a hold of you, if people want to be able to tap your brain for some more ideas, how can somebody reach out to you? Yeah, so always happy to help out. Um, you're welcome to hop on our website and schedule an appointment. And I'm happy to make time to, to hash out ideas. We always learn from, you know, happy to learn from everyone and share whatever I know. Awesome, awesome. This is Lauren with Build Insurance Group out in, uh, technically you're New Jersey, but you're also kind of in that New York, you said that tri-state area, is that correct? That's right. Awesome. That's exactly it. Well, as soon as I get up there, I have, all this COVID stuff is over. I promise I'll, I keep on saying I want to go up to the New York area. And, um, you know, I haven't been up there in a few years, so I'll make sure I look you up and we'll go out and have lunch. Oh, yeah. No, I'll have to show you all the good shopping. Come on. The all right. New Yorkers insider version of where to go. Okay. Uh, that's what I need right there. My husband may not agree, but I do. So let's do it. I'm totally there. Well, everybody. All right. Take care. It's yeah, been a pleasure. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. Everybody, this is Teresa, and I am super excited today to be able to talk to you about how to bring value to your clients with Lauren Nadata out of New Jersey and with Build Insurance Group. Guys, reach out to her. She's a wealth of knowledge. Everybody, thank you so much for listening today. Make sure you do subscribe to the podcast and make sure that you don't miss an episode. We talk to agency owners. We talk to carrier reps. We talk to uh, account managers, CSRs. We talk to everybody in the insurance industry, making sure you get the best knowledge, the best information on careers and opportunities for women inside the insurance industry. Everybody have a great day.